Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We've been speaking about who we are as Christian Worship Center. So if you're peeking in in the middle of the series and you walk in today and our giving aspect of it, don't judge the church based off this one message, okay? And I mentioned earlier to the first service, I usually hate speaking on giving. Uh, in the 18 years that I, I've been preaching here at CWC, it's, uh, I can probably count on one or two, you know, maybe two hands now after this 18 years, two hands, the times that I've spoken just on giving. And I've always kind of felt uncomfortable doing so because of the abuses that are done. I look on TV and I see the, these guys, you know, hey, God gave me this scripture, you know, and they, they share a scripture. If you send in $53 that matches this scripture, 53, you'll, God's going to bless you by the end of this week. And I, I see all these things going on and it, it, it grieves my spirit. I'm not saying that God didn't tell them to do that, but I, I believe manipulation to give should never be a reason that we give. The, the word says that God likes a cheerful giver. It says that God loves a cheerful giver. And that when we give, it should be out of our heart. It should be a response of our gratitude to who God is. And every one of us here, I want you to understand, you've been wired to give. You, you, you've been fashioned with the component inside of us that loves to give. That's why you open up your house to bring Rocky in. That's why we take time to, when we have these little ones called children, we give our time and our effort to them. And it, instead of feeling like they're taking from us, this little life is taking you, you, you pour into them because we've been wired to care, to love, to give. I walked out, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot. Last Sunday I'm walking out and I see this couple standing there with a pink slip. And they're, they're gifting their barracuda. If you don't know what a barracuda is, do some homework. Beautiful car, and they're, they're, they're gifting it to their spiritual son. And the joy that I saw on your faces while you were doing that, that's what giving's all about. They, they weren't doing it to get something back. They were doing it as an act of love. John chapter 3, verse 16, if you're there, say amen. We've been going over CWC exists to love God, love people, and to change the world. The first thing that we've been speaking on is love God. And you see, first thing that we know that we love God is by following Jesus. Obedience. Second thing is how we show our love for God is through selfless service. Pastor Matt did a masterful job last week in sharing with us about how when we don't use our gifts, we steal from the world what God designed us for. And so we have a responsibility, not only a capacity, but a responsibility to serve. And then today we talk about our love for God is living by giving. John chapter 3 verse 16 simply states, For God so loved the world that he gave, everyone say gave, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated this morning. I believe that as human beings, nothing makes us love God or makes us feel closer to God than when we give. Because nothing makes us feel better as humans than when we give. And God, I believe, because he's a giver, has created us to give as well. How many love Christmas time? Yeah? What's your favorite part about Christmas time? The food? Who said? (laughs) The food. What else? Family. That's good. Kids? That's right. The kids. For... For me, growing up, the, my favorite part of Christmas, being that all y'all are afraid to say it, were gifts. I judged a good Christmas based on the presents I got. And it was a good Christmas if I found a lot of presents under the tree with my name on it. And as a child, that's how I judged Christmas, was based on how many gifts were under the tree with my name on it. And were they the things that I wanted as well? And I, I remember recently at a Christmas, my wife came up to me and says, hey, how, how many gifts did we get for, for one of our daughters? She mentions her name. And I said, well, I got, got her quite a few of them. She goes, well, because she, she was looking under the tree and she only saw a couple of gifts with her name on it. She was wondering if that's all she's getting this year. <laughs> And told, don't worry, we, we, got, we got it covered. We got it. it just it reminded me of when I was a kid, that we'd go under the tree and start looking for. And, you know, at the church in Milpitas, we have a big old tree that's set up there and a bunch of fake gifts that are under it. And we got all the kids from the church. The first thing they do is they run over to the thing to see whose names are on the presents. But as I got older, things changed. I no longer looked at Christmas based on what I got, but I change based on what I can get from my kids and then watch their expressions as they opened it. That, that brought so much joy to my heart to sit there and watch. And, you know, we started playing that. How many have seen the Christmas story? At the very end, there's that one gift that they want. And so I started pulling the Christmas story thing. And the kids knew that. They got to the point that after the third or fourth year, they knew They would open all their gifts. The one that they wanted wasn't there, and there would always be that one gift that dad hid for them and that they ended up getting what they wanted. But it did something to my heart to always give them something, to watch my kids open and so forth. What changed from me being a child that wanted all these gifts to now as a father to watch my kids open up gifts and not worry about what I had The thing that had changed was simply this. I matured. I grew up. And whenever you see someone that's only concerned about getting, you know that their maturity level has not matched up yet. Because when we live in a perpetual state of giving and not sharing or giving, that we're, we're in a, that state where we're always wanting, we're always consuming, but we never share. It reminds me of the story of the pastor that, that tells the story of him going through a drive-thru to pick up some french fries for his son. And as he goes through the drive-thru, he stops at McDonald's, picks up a bag of fries for him, and he hands them to his son, and his son is just content eating his fries. But then that aroma starts filling the car, 
as his dad's driving and he looks back and he sees his little boy just taking one fry at a time, just eating them. And so he just reached back out of habit and grabbed one from his son and ate it. And his son screamed. Those are my fries. What are you doing taking my fries? And his dad thought about something for a moment. This ungrateful kid. And the first thing he thought, he said there were three things that went through his mind. First thing was this. Boy, I could take all those fries away from you right now. I'll snatch that bag out of your hand and eat them in front of you. Second thing he thought was this. I'm the one that bought you those fries. Just five minutes ago, you had nothing, but I took the time, put you in the car, went to McDonald's, went through the drive-thru, paid the money. You had no fries before I thought of it. You had no, I paid the money out of my wallet, out of my hard work. You listening, kid? And so with all those things, he took all, he handed them back. I'm the one that provided them to you. The third thing he thought was this. The third thing he thought was, I don't even really want a fry. He goes, it just smelled good, so I don't need a fry. If I wanted fries, I could go right back through the drive-thru and buy a bag of them. I could do that. He goes, but all I wanted was to see my son share. Show generosity. And I don't think there's a parent around that. I wonder how time, how God feels with us. When God's the one that gave us our fries, our paycheck, our abilities, our talents, our giftings. God's a giver. He didn't just give his son. God gave us this earth. He gave us breath to breathe, an environment to live in. He gave you the talents and the giftings that you use to make a living every week. God didn't just give his life. He gave you life as well, and he gave you ability to make a living as well. Somebody say amen. Amen. So let me take you somewhere this morning. I I promise I will not be long, but I want you to see something here. See, the the, the Passion Version puts it this way. "For For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. Why? Because God is a giver. And as a giver, God gives so that other people can enjoy, so that they can have life. Now, if we were to open up the word, take a look at your Bible real quick. I want you to see in this Bible right here, there are over 7,000 promises in this Bible. 7,000 promises. That God gives you. But every promise that God has for you has a premise. There's a condition to every promise that God gives to you. And most of the promises that God has for us in this word of that 7,000, most of those promises are based on financial blessing, on material blessing. And what's a trip is the church is the one place that most people are afraid to talk about money. Because of the abuses that took place. Oh, that pastor, all he wants is your money. I don't need your money. I'm not, I'm not rich, but I am wealthy. And there's a difference between being rich and wealthy. You can not have a lot of money and still be wealthy. Come on, somebody. 
Yeah, what's a trip with, with Christians is this, is that we, we, some people are, are afraid of money. They're afraid of utilizing money. Yet the Bible says that God has given you the power to obtain wealth. Yeah. And we, we want to be, how many want to be blessed? How many want to go where you want to go, do what you want to do to be a blessing to other people that you don't want to have to live paycheck to paycheck? Do you realize that most of the men in the word of God that had a relationship with God were, were, were rich? And that God blessed them based on their relationship with him? And, and you know, it's kind of hypocritical. Because some of us have in our mind that God wants us to be poor, but someday we're going to end up going to heaven where there's streets of gold. (laughs) And we're going to live in a mansion. So God wants us to be poor on earth, live in a shack, not make it. But when you get to heaven, I'm going to give you streets of gold. What, What kind of father would want his kids to be poor while he's rich. That's not a good dad. Our Heavenly Father is a good father. He wants you to be blessed, but he also wants you to be generous as well because we've all been wired to be generous, and when we don't give, we fight against the very character of God. Somebody say amen. And that's because giving's been misunderstood. Now, now I want before you put this next one up, I want you to notice something. How many times do you think the word believe shows up in the word of God? A lot? I would think so. Isn't belief, isn't belief very important? So how many times do you think belief would show up in the Bible? 7,000? Okay. Anyone else? 100,000? Oh, 100 times. Okay. Anyone else? So we got a thousand, and we are. You said seven thousand, a hundred. What else? Five hundred. Okay. The word belief shows up two hundred and seventy-two times in the Bible. That, that, that's a. That was the next statement you were going to say, huh? Now, pray. How many know prayer is important? How many times do you think pray shows up in the Bible? Seven thousand. You just keep going back to seven thousand. You're going to hit it before this day's over. You're going to hit it, aren't you? Anyone else? 3,500. 500. Prayer shows up in the Bible 371 times. Okay, how many say love is important? And you know love has to be there a lot, right? Now, how many times? 7,000. 7,000, right? Okay. Anyone else? 500, love shows up. You're close. You're close. You're only off by 6,300. 714 times love shows up in the word. Now, now, give. (laughs) Give shows up. 7,001. Sound like, let's make a deal or price is right. (laughs) Give shows up 2,152 times. Dude, that's, that's more than three times of love. 
Why? Because God spoke about, Jesus spoke about money more than any other issue in the word. Why? Because God knew that money was going to be a problem for mankind. That if there was one area that we were going to struggle with, wasn't about what was going to be in the area of generosity. Why? Because we're always looking out for ourselves. We're not concerned about other people. Why, why am I going to meet someone else's need when I got my own problems? And when we, whenever we're in these kind of situations, I want you to understand, God loves givers because generosity is love in action. You can't say that you love someone and not give. I can't say I love my kids, but don't take care of them. I can't say I love my wife, but I'm not taking time to take care of her and provide for her. And many times we say we love God. Blessings on you. Okay. Generosity is love in action. So look at Matthew chapter six. We're going to start jumping through some scripture here. How can you Matthew six twenty four? How can you worship two gods at the same time? You will either have to hate one and love the other, be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while being enslaved to the God of money as well. He doesn't say it's hard to serve money and God. He says it's impossible, not hard, impossible. Why? Because Jesus knew that the true battle for our souls would not be between Satan and God. It would be between money and God. He, he knew you would never choose Satan over him, but he did know that you would struggle between money and him because money will go after our hearts more than anything. Now, I need you to understand that he talks about this thing called mammon, and mammon wasn't just money or wealth. Mammon was literally, the, they considered it was a, a demon. It was a demon that was in charge of greed and, and, and greed and money. It got so out of whack that when we talk about mammon, wealth, prop, prosperity, or property and material goods, it became something that they trusted more than God, something that they became enslaved to, literally changed. Now, what am I talking about? No, I can't wait to get my first million. You get that first million, then you can't wait to get your second million. And even that's not enough. You never have enough. It's an unquenchable desire that you just cannot, that you cannot quench. And mammon, usually is something that's uh, opposite for serving God. Mammon was commonly personified as the demon of wealth and greed. It was literally a God that they worshipped and it became that symbol that people were worshipping mammon. Listen, today, many of us wouldn't sit down and begin to worship and bow down to money, but the way that we live our lives shows that we have put money before God. You might not lack candles to your money and say, oh, I just worship you, Benjamin Franklin. I would love to have more of you, Benjamin Franklin. Would you send more of your friends, uh, other dead presidents, to come hang out with me? But some of us are so busy trying to get more stuff, not recognizing your net worth doesn't determine your self-worth. Just because you have more isn't going to make you worth more. As an individual, as a person, loving money, according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, loving money is the first step towards all kinds of trouble. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. We've seen it. You've seen people that have run after money so bad that they end up walking away from God. Now, they can't take a Sunday off. They can't worship. They can't make it to church anymore. They won't read the word. Everything becomes money. Now, listen, money's not bad. 
Let's get that straight. Without money, we can't rent this facility to hold service. How many know without money, we can't, we can't get the equipment that we need for the church? How many know without money, we don't have a place to live? Without money, you don't have a car to drive. Without money, you, know, you, you need money in order to live. Money's not a bad thing. It's the love of money. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all. God doesn't mind you having money. He just doesn't want money to have you. Nothing wrong with it. He says the craving for more money pushes them away from their faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. And so I want you to see something here. Jesus said the best way to counteract the love of money was through generosity. When we learn to be generous, we fight against that that need uh, for, for, for greed. And so Matthew 20 verse 28 says this. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give. Everyone say give. give. His life in exchange for the salvation of many. God wants us to give. When we give, we act like God. Especially when someone can't do anything for you in return. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Look at how God wants us to give. Give generously. Generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down and make more room. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Uh Uh-oh. Had anything to do with the 7,000? Your measurement of generosity determines the measure of your return. In other words, whatever measure you use to show generosity is the same measurement that's going to be used to bless you in return. Are you following me? So if you use that teaspoon blessing, God's going to use a teaspoon to give back to you. I don't know about you. I don't want to be using no teaspoon. I'll I'll rent me a dump truck or something when it comes to God because I recognize you can never outgive God. And when you show generosity, God will use the same measure that you use to bless others to be able to bless you in return. Why? Because God is a giver. God, the, the very act of giving is an act of love. God gave out of love. He gave his best when he gave Jesus. He didn't just give some or anything or just anyone. He gave his best. When we give, God expects us not only to give out of love, but to give our best when we give. Why? Because that's what our Father does. Don't give your leftovers of your time, the leftovers of your talent, the leftovers of your treasure. Give God the best of what you give. How many notice that most of us, by the time it's time to pray, it's usually right before you go to bed and right you, you kneel down and right you're so burnt out that Father, I just thank you for this. And all we end up doing is giving leftovers to God. We don't give God the best of our time. And as far as talent, you know what? I, I, can't, I can't get involved and, and, and give God my, my abilities or my talent right now. I got to work. I got a family. I got to do this and so forth. You know, when, when I, later on, when, I, when the kids grow up, you know, later on when, you know, the, when, when, the, when the grandkids grow up, when the, when the grandchildren are out and all of a sudden you keep pushing it off until the time that you're dead and you have nothing left to give. 
God gave so that whosoever could have life. Now, I want you to see as we, we get ready to close here. Worship team, if you could help me. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this. Bring all the tithe. Someone say tithe. Tithe means 10%. Okay? You, you can't tithe 3%. If you're giving 3% of your, your income, then you are not tithing. You're, you're stealing 7% from God. Tithe means 10%. You can't tithe 15%. It's 10%. But my wife and I, from the very moment we, we went into ministry, we started giving our 10%, and then every year we started increasing by a percent. We started increasing our giving. People ask, well, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you have such a nice house? How, how do you guys have this? How do you have that? You know what? I can't explain how. But God has blessed us. And I make no apologies for the blessings I have. None whatsoever. Because you can't judge my blessings if you haven't seen my giving. And as we have blessed God, you know, we, we, we have been faithful in our giving. And we've increased in our giving, faith giving. Because I, I recognized this long time ago that I cannot outgive God. And as we've shown generosity, God is taking care of us. He could trust us. I was listening to, to Rick Warren recently, and Rick Warren said this. He goes, do you realize my book, The Purpose Driven Life, is the number two best-selling book ever behind the Bible? It's amazing. And they, the, uh, a reporter asked him, why do you think God chose you to write that book? With such success. And he said this. And this caught me off. He says, because God knew he could trust me with the money. Because my wife and I, we tied 90%. Oh, rephrase that. My bad. 91% and we live off 9%. And he goes, we did that before the book sold. He goes, we learned Generosity. And God knew that whatever he sent me, we weren't going to go buy a bigger house, a bigger car, that we were, going to, we were just going to live large. But God can trust me that we were going to use that money to bless people. And some of you right now are in that position where I can't give more because I don't have more. But you're saying, but when I get blessed, when I win the lottery, Pastor, I'm going to buy you a church. No, you won't. Because you won't give from the $10 in your pocket right now. Because... Because when we talk about generosity, generosity doesn't happen when you're blessed. Generosity comes because, blessings come because you're generous. And many of us are waiting until we have enough to give. That's not called faith. He says this, bring all the tithe in the storehouse. The tithe, this is the storehouse. This is where you come and eat. This is where there's spiritual food in this house. And he says, if you do, says the Lord... God of, of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. Somebody say amen. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. Then he says, put me to the test. It's the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. Is in the area of giving, of generosity. Why? Because stinginess is really unbelief. 
When we start acting, we, we don't trust that God's going to take care of us. But God says, put me to the test. As I close this morning, I want you to just, I, I want to close with this. Just two, two more points here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world. How many rich people we have here? A couple. Let, 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 me, let me rephrase. How many live inside a house or a, you have a roof with walls? Okay. How many have a place where you can park, maybe park a car? How many have, now this is a big one. You have a box where you're able to put food in and keep it from spoiling. Okay. Then you are richer than over 94% of all the world. That places you in the top 5%. Because most of the world doesn't have running water, doesn't have a place to lay their head or clothes for their back. You, you, you're, you're ahead of them. So this scripture applies to all of you. Teach those that are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Look at the stock market this past week. Crazy. Amazing highs, incredible lows. Bitcoin jumps up to record-breaking levels and then crashes just as fast. The very things you think you can rely on, you can't rely on. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our what? God wants you to enjoy what you have. You don't, you don't have to be embarrassed of, of going on vacation or being blessed or buying a dress or, or, or you know, buying that new golf club or, or, or getting that car. God wants you to enjoy it. Tell them to what? Their money to do good, that they should be rich in good works. Don't just be rich in money. Be rich in good works. Generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. What God is saying, listen, love people, but use your money. Don't use people and love money. Love people and use money. Use money to bless people. So I want you to see this. We're going to jump all the way down to John the Baptist here. And John the Baptist is getting ready. He's preparing the way. Preparing the way for Jesus' coming. And as John the Baptist is getting, he's preaching to them. God is about, and he's telling everyone, God is about to do something that's going to blow your mind. Just, it's going to be amazing. God's about to do something he's never done before. Jesus is about to come. And John the Baptist is speaking. He said, hey, prepare the way. The Savior's coming. The Messiah. God is going to do something that's going to totally blow you away right now. And the people are so excited about John, what he's talking about, that they ask him, the crowds ask him, what should we do? How do we prepare ourselves for what's about to happen? And then John tells them something that is so out of it. He says this in verse 11 of Luke 3. If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those that are hungry. What? God's going to do something great. He's coming. Shouldn't we pray? Shouldn't we fast? Shouldn't we have a worship service? Shouldn't we have encounter night? Shouldn't we do something to prepare our hearts spiritually for what God's about to do? He says, yeah, if you have an extra shirt, give it to them. Generous. If you have more food, share it. They were expecting something spiritual. John the Baptist gave them something practical. You want to prepare for God to do something great in your lives? 
Generosity opens up the way for the coming of Christ. Oh, no, you didn't hear me. Generosity opens up our hearts for the coming of Jesus. I want to challenge you today to get generous. Start learning how to be generous. Learning how to share the things that God's blessed you with. And say, God, you can trust me to be blessed. You want to give me a best-selling book? Then, yeah, God, send it to me because you can trust me. with. You want to send me a great business? You can trust me with the blessing. You can trust that, God, I will not be a dam. I will be a channel of blessing so that others will be blessed as well. I will not consume my gifts, God. I will not. Why? Because I simply understand this. It's time to be generous. It's time to operate in generosity. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.